hit him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome again to the spoiler room. It is our final Super Month episode here for November. Hope you've enjoyed our journey through superhero films, both big and small. And we have another small one that we're going to talk about today. And I got a great batch of crew members with me to talk about Defendor from 2009. And first off, we have Mr. BFD himself. He's back. Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Are you surviving the holiday rush? Yes. (laughs) Ready to talk some Defendor? Absolutely. Fantastic. And next to the BFD himself, he has once again joined us, graced us with his presence. It's the man, the myth, the legend. It is Scotty D. Hello, Scotty D. How are you doing tonight? Uh, in keeping with the theme month, super. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've, you've brought justice to our episode. Never mind. I am, co- I, I am bringing, I'm bringing truth and justice to the spoiler room today. <laughs> yes, you have. Are you wearing your cape? I, I, I'm all, look, I, I, I often wear my cape, and just between the two of us, I'm always wearing the tights. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> thanks for the warning. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. They hug me in special ways. I can't tell you. <laughs> and if you walk just right, it's a happy day. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> tonight we are going back. We started with a indie superhero film about a common man becoming a vigilante. And we're ending our super month in a very similar fashion with Defender from 2009, directed by Peter Stebbings. There'll be time for questions later. Right now, I need your help. Arthur Poppington. Use my other name, Kay. It works better that way. I, I, just call me Defender. Defender? Defender. Look out, termites. It's squishing time. This is supposed to be your worst nightmare. Trouble has a way of following me. Arthur, why is it so important that you capture Captain Industry? Top secret. I'm looking for someone. Yeah, who? Evil mastermind, smuggles drugs. <laughs> well, I probably know him then. Show me. Well, that kind of information doesn't just grow on trees. Where's Captain Industry? It's lime juice. Come on. Please, God, not the lime juice. Where is he? Um. What are you doing? I'm going to capture Captain Industry. 
AS, ADD, illusional megalomania. This captain industry doesn't exist. You're sick, man. You need help. Serious lack of common sense. She's not a hooker. She's a friend. Socially immature. You can be a perfectly functioning member of society who needs guidance. I'm not a joke. You're going to jail. Now, yes, this is another common man turned vigilante with a little bit of a twist and starring Woody Harrelson. And does anybody, uh, Scotty D, do you want to give a summary a bit of what Defendor is about? Uh, well, uh, it's it's a little bit similar to a lot of things that, uh, like, for instance, Super and uh, there was a, I think there was a film around the time, same time called Special with Michael Rappaport. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these wannabe movies, people, ordinary people who wanted to be uh, superheroes. Defendor, uh, and it is spelled with the O-R for reasons and, that he ne- they never specify. <laughs> except um, it just makes him really mad if you say it with the E-R. It, it, yeah, because mm. he, he's, it, it's like he's not, uh, he, it's like he's aware that it's misspelled, but it sounds better or something. <laughs> um, the, um, but uh, he is, this is a story of uh, an ordinary guy named Arthur Poppington, uh, played by uh, Woody Harrelson, and he also wants to be a, a superhero, but he feels a distinct need to be a superhero. Unlike uh, some other movies, say like Kick-Ass, where it's like just about like some alienated youth who read too many comic books, or um, Super, in which he has had like a vision at, that saves him from uh, his uh, dead-end life at following a following the split of his marriage. It, it would the Arthur Poppington character is obviously from the very first scene is mentally ill is is somebody who has uh, po- possibly had undiagnosed uh, um, learning disabilities uh, undiagnosed uh, men- mental illness and also some of it's probably some of it's probably from birth and some of it is probably just from uh, a whole bunch of PTSD, which we get little glimpses of from a lifetime of abuse. But he puts on reflective tape and his and his uh, and uh, puts shoe polish on his eyes, and he goes out at night and becomes Defendor, defending the city and looking for his ultimate nemesis, Captain Industry. Uh, which it doesn't really take uh, it doesn't really take a whole lot of mental gymnastics to figure out. Like, oh. I get it, yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, and you know he he meets all these people on the way because he comes across he comes across an organized crime he comes across a uh, an under uh, an undercover cop who is about as like sadistic and crooked as they come, uh, played by Elias Cochise, um, and um, he even befriends a uh, teenage runaway drug addict. Uh, slash prostitute uh, played by Kat Dennings, who helps him in his search for cap- Captain Industry. Meanwhile, people are trying to figure out, well, is this guy safe to have on the street? Do you, do you feel better having him on the street? And no matter how much how better you feel, is it really would he be better if he wasn't on the street? Right. You know? <laughs> and so it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of, uh, I think it's this one has a lot of uh, facets that those a, a lot of the other movies from the era uh, didn't have it. It is definitely a layered uh, 
vigilante superhero film, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get into that as well as kind of the unusual tone this film takes. But we'll get our initial reactions as always. Glenn, uh, when you first saw Defender, did this surprise you? What, how'd you feel about it? <coughs> um, when I first saw this one, uh, I liked it, but I was also... It's it's billed as kind of like a it's billed as like it's supposed to be like you know kind of like a dark comedy. It really, really isn't Mm-mm. comedy really at all. Uh, not not even I not really even a little bit. It's it's not comedy. Um, not even not even I wouldn't even call it dark comedy. It's um, so that that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, but once I accepted that, I seemed to enjoy it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, though I also feel at times it is a bit melodramatic perhaps or sappy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still enjoyed it. Sure. And, uh, and Scott, how about you, sir? Uh, well, I mentioned a lot of the other movies that came out around the time. Kick-Ass wasn't crazy about super. I really liked except for, you know, the little twist uh, with uh, the Ellen Page character towards the end could never get over that. Uh, special never saw. You know, lots of those, these little movies came out around the time. I absolutely love Defendor. So when I heard you guys were doing it, I had to do this episode because <laughs> this is a film I actually feel very strongly about. I think that this film, that what Woody Harrelson does in this film is so perfect with his performance. Uh, I'm not sure if I would call it a comedy either, although it's, I guess it doesn't, it's not much darker than say super, but uh, it's, uh, it's also much more subtle. It comes, it comes, the comedy comes organically uh, often through the performance of uh, Harrelson and such, but uh, it's, it's just such a touching movie. I think it's, uh, I think that, it is a character study. I think that there's brilliant pieces to the to every single person that's in here. Everybody is perfectly etched. Uh, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. It's one of those films where when I watched, I said, "Hey, that was really good," and then I couldn't get the movie out of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I would watch it like a little while later and a little while after that, and uh, it would just really touched me it, it it struck me when i was watching it uh i just rewatched it last night for the show i didn't realize how had that this movie is uh eight years old at this point yeah i have no idea <laughs> and i realized like you know i don't know if i've seen this in five years then mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. was stunning to me because the experience of seeing this movie for the first time it feels as fresh as it was yesterday i remember the impact this movie had that well so I think this, that Defendor is a very overlooked and uh, wonderful, wonderful movie uh, that kind of just fell through the cracks, unfortunately. Yeah, it did kind of fall through the tra- uh, cracks. It never, I don't think, got a theatrical release. It went direct to video. Uh, no, I think, it, I think it did go to, I'm, I don't want to correct too much, but I, I, I'll do some double checking. But I want to say it did get a very small... Uh, theatrical release uh, right. in the United States got bigger, a little, little bigger in Canada, mm-hmm. but uh, a very small theatrical release in the United States uh, yeah, back I, in uh, early 2010, uh, I think. 
Yeah, when when I say it didn't get released theaters, I mean a wide release. You know, oh, no. are, yeah. you know, you know, there are yeah. the limited releases along the coast where they submit it like to one or two. You know, especially some of those indies that make the festival circuit, they submit it to just enough theaters to possibly be considered for Oscar, but it never gets wide release. And this one wasn't even that, but yeah, it was limited theaters. It was an uh, indie superhero film. You're right; it, it did kind of get buried amongst the other ones because it is different tonally than many of those other ones that came out at the same time i i i agree with glenn i don't see this as a comedy i mean there's still satire in here uh but there this film is for a superhero film this is dark and it's not really a happy (laughs) it's it's not a full happy story i mean there is a happy kind of happy ending with you know the the kate denning uh character cat uh Dabrovkowitz, excuse me. Um, but for the most part, the tone of this film really stays kind of like, wow, you're just not quite sure how to, f- how you're supposed to feel, uh, you know? And I, when I first watched it, uh, I watched it after it came out on video. Uh, I was looking for video, you know, movies to watch, super, different superhero films. And I watched this and I will say that I went into it and yeah, I, it didn't quite hit me. You know, I liked Woody Harrelson's character and all, but I was like, um, watching it now, I have a bigger appreciation for seeing what they're doing in this film. And yeah, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of depth in here. It's trying to say a number of things in here. Um, and and I think it does it fairly well. It, it does get a little bit too melodramatic. And I think... Again, I I get the feeling though they weren't. It sometimes feels like they were trying to thread a thin needle of, let's go a little you know mushy soft with a heart and yet still try to keep it an edgy you know kind of uh, film and you know and sometimes it works and then there's some scenes in here that didn't quite work for me but for the most part it is a different film it it doesn't play out I think like you're going to expect one of these films to play out I will well, say I- that. Well, I think one of the great things about this movie is that there is – yeah, and there is bits that are it's corny as such because um, the whole superhero thing – I don't care if you're talking about Batman or Superman, uh, you know, those two extremes of the coin there. Uh, there is a lot of corniness to superhero things, and that uh, always clashes in contrast with the stark reality of the world. Uh, so I think you see things through Arthur Poppington, who has a very sense, real sense of right and wrong, even if he's confused most of the time about everything else. And you have this uh, kind of uh, dichotomy of this really ugly world. I mean, this character, uh, I don't know if they ever come right out and state Cat's uh, age in the movie, but it's you're, you're meant to believe that she's like a teenager that she and that she has been underage, sexually abused, uh, drug addict. That's hard shit. And, um, you know, there's all this other really awful, awful, ugly stuff going on. But at the same time, there's this sense of hope. And there's and as naive as uh, defend Arthur slash Defender's uh, way of being is, you can see that reflected in people. And you can see it actually having an effect mm-hmm. on people. Uh, so, and, and in mass, uh, unmasked at some points. So it's, uh, 
I, I kind of liked how it kind of really played both sides of that coin and showed how uncomfortably those two, uh, the fantasy of comic book uh, ethos and the reality of, of, of the, you know, a cruel and pessimistic world can kind of interplay with each other. I kind of liked how they kind of skirted that line in this movie. Yeah, I I thought it was interesting how they played it uh, as well. And I, I'm glad you brought up the word comfortability. Uh, Glenn, uh, how would you say this film, this film never, does this film ever really let you get comfortable with feeling one way or the other, either about Arthur Pennington or just the movie in general? <laughs> Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, and I think that's the point that you're not supposed to be. Right. Um, and I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just, it's, it's not like it's, it's like, I'm trying to think of the best way to stay, state it. It's not that it's, I, I don't know if I caught so much that you're uncomfortable, just that it's just always, you're always waiting for that other shoe to drop the whole mm-hmm. movie. So, and in, in that regards a little bit at the end, it's, it isn't, isn't a surprise how it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't in just, you know, on, on how the characters portrayed and just and how the story goes. It is in that, you know, it, it doesn't follow the, the cliched Hollywood norm of the, you know, the, Oh, but you know, Oh, look, last second, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. He's fine. Yay. <laughs> And then he can go, you know, and live with his friend and their family. And then he can, you know, hang out with Kat as she writes her stories. And everyone's, you know, happy and lovely. So. <laughs> no, and, no, it doesn't end that way. Well, he thinks he's bulletproof because earlier he, uh, when he get, crosses paths with organized crime, he ends up crossing paths with an undercover cop who's infiltrated this organized crime. And he gets shot. But the cop has rubber bullets in his machine gun. So after he survives that, he thinks he's bulletproof. And as you can imagine, near the end of the film, uh, he, he finds out not so much. <laughs> but, he, but he also proves his own point. You know, he, what's he say? He always says, he says, guns are for cowards. Yeah. And he proved the point because even while he's laying there, you can he it, they, they rob you of actually seeing what happened, so you have to figure it out through exposition at the end, uh, because the focus is always on him, not the villains. And you, as you can hear what's happening in the background, and um, you hear that because he did delay them, and because he probably called attention to himself, you know, he wound up still, you know playing yeah. his part yeah he he's still he still got the bad guys just indirectly he at that end scene he's laying out flares as he's going along and uh yeah you're right he does delay the uh big crime boss uh uh radovin uh Christic, played by ac peterson uh he delays him enough so the cops do show up but yeah you don't get your shootout it's in the background and sound effects and and like muzzle flashes in the back while we watch Defendor, uh, you know, say his last breath, so to speak. And man, the villains in the, this, did they go all out with it? I mean, I, I forgot first time watching it. I really like Elias Cotis's, uh Chuck Dooney. Uh, Scott, what'd you think of this villain? I mean, 
Wow, he really plays it to the hilt. Elias Cotes, you know, and I don't want to sound like like this is a backhanded compliment, but he is have, has been able to play just about every kind of scumbag you can imagine, uh, whether they're good or they're bad. And he has been uh, a focus of, I mean, I think the first time a lot of us got to know him was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Casey yeah. Jones. Yep. But he has shown up in so many of my favorite movies as these very strange, creepy characters. Uh, Exotica is a great movie. Uh, Crash, the David Cronenberg version, I think is uh, brilliant. Uh, not for everybody, but I think it's brilliant, and I think he's the best thing in it. Um, and uh, he is, right now, is I believe that more than any other person in this movie, he represents the ugliness and corruption because he uh, does everything behind a badge and he, you know, he rapes, he murders, he does drugs, he sells drugs, he forces drugs. He's, he's like every ugly, ugly, he is like the absolute gutter come to life in this movie. Uh, And the way he approaches certain people you can see him do it with that bit of power that he has, and then he can switch it and try to sound like almost like he's comforting and paternal, which just makes it all so much seedier. Oh yeah, and he's um he's Elias Cotty. He's just a really good, he's a great actor, and I'm glad that he's uh I'm glad that he wasn't one of these people who showed up for a few movies and then kind of faded into the background. He's actually uh, managed to create a pretty interesting filmography of stuff and uh this is probably one of the better uh performances he's had uh, films he's had in a long time so i like him a lot in this movie yeah that that particularly creepy scene where after they've kidnapped cat to get at uh, defendor uh and he they've got her holed up in the in the club or whatever and uh chuck dooney shows up and he's trying to be comforting it's just before she shoots him in the balls. That is a, just a creepy scene and one of many. Yeah, and, she, and he's being creepy as be, while being the most, by saying some of the most vile things at the same time, too. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Calling he her just, a pig and everything. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Knowing that they're going to basically, basically that he wants to, and basically what is he trying to do? He's trying to, you know, coerce her into sex before the moment when they inevitably are going to kill her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, oh my and, God. And his character, you wouldn't put it past him to kill her while they're having. Oh, he's, no, he's the, this guy. No, he is without any uh, redeeming values whatsoever. Just the offhanded com- comments hearing that he had a, he has a wife and daughters is yeah. creepy. And so when you hear that the white, that, he doesn't have custody of those because you're just like, whoo, thank God. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and I think they do that because I think Woody Harrelson's character, Defender Arthur Pennington, is supposed to be the, the, the pure one, if you will. I mean, he never does anything with Cat uh, at all. You know, even when she offers, he's just like, no, he, he's pure in his in his drive and his mission to get captain industry. So I think you need that villain. Who's just the mirror opposite, who is from like the dread, I mean, just a gutter, just gutter, uh, character. Uh, Glenn, how'd you feel about, uh, Chuck Dooney in here and his villain? 
Uh, utter sleaze. Yeah. <laughs> and perfectly sleaze. Um, and, and though um, you can tell uh, that his the I don't know. I don't remember if he's a captain or whatever. The his boss mm-hmm. obviously knows stuff is going on. Yeah. Because um, I mean, it's it's like he's he's so sleazy. He doesn't and so dirty. It's like he doesn't really try to hide it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, oh. it just it just oozes out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, that's because he feels he's got the protection of the 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 bikers and and you know the uh, what was it Syrian? Was he supposed to be Syrian or or Russian? Mafia uh, guy? Uh, yeah, not Syrian, uh, Serbian, maybe. Serbian, that's what it was. Serbian. Serbian. <laughs> I know it began with an S. I don't know. Uh, but Serbian. But I think he was kind of cocky like that because he felt, you know, he was like the guy is like, well, you know, I got this protection, so I can pretty much come out and say I'm crooked. You guys aren't going to do anything because, you know, part of the plea, which you get the impression too through his boss, who I loved his boss. That was uh, played by Clark Johnson. Was it Captain Rogers? Captain Roger Fairbanks, I think it was. He was um, a completely uh, he was completely uh, believable. That's the yeah. thing is that he was so completely believable. He seemed like somebody who was just a real cop, you know. And of course, he's, you know, it was nice seeing him in a in the. I never saw the the wire, so I don't know what he was playing on that thing. But it was nice seeing him in in the police uh, thing again after watching uh, Homicide back in the nineties. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, I I liked his role. Wanted to see him a little more, but he definitely was kind of the uh, Commissioner Gordon of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this really is paralleling Batman, though. I imagine they couldn't get rights to mention it at all. <laughs> I think they don't want to do. You know, there's certain things where I think they wanted to put this in the, its own world, and I don't sure. think they wanted to mention two things. Although, I, I guess uh, uh, I guess I gotta take a walk a little bit of that back, because I guess uh, at one point uh, uh, Dooney does say who writes your dialogue, Superman. Um, oh, yeah. So, but I, I think they kind of do want to just, uh, they won't want to put too fine a point mm-hmm. on uh, on like, oh, he's patterning himself after this specific person, you know, right, or something like that. Yeah. Well, and he records everything. I love the fact he videotapes on VHS in 2009. He videotapes everything on VHS, which uh, did add for a little humorous moment when uh, he's kept bugging Cat, who decides to stay with him for 40, what, 40 bucks a day to help him find Captain Industry, um, which, you know, she's just kind of using him. Uh, to get the money and, and a place to stay, and he keeps bugging her for the VHS tapes, and she brings him a, a box full of porn. And he he immediately turns his nose up at it, and then she puts the tape over the you know the spot, and there you go, you can record. I'm like, yes, okay, you know what? That's that's cool. <laughs> you know, I'm like, who hadn't done that with their VHS tapes of oh, all my all my, ta- all my tapes had the tabs removed and then they all had the scotch tape put over. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you get some fun moments like that, but uh, yeah, you know, I just, the, the villain was a perfect counter to uh, Defendor and Glenn. How do you think they handled 
the uh, his uh, being mentally challenged. Did you did you ever feel like it was being exploited, or do you think that was just maybe his characteristic, and that they tread that fine line of of not making it like offensive to those who are uh, mentally challenged? Um, it's hard for me to say, mm-hmm. um, because I'm not right. No, I'm, I'm just um, saying for the perspective, but I, I, I think they did, uh, from, you know, from whatever my, you know, personal life experience or whatever opinion might be, I think they did a decent job with it. I didn't think they were trying to make it, um, which I think is, is actually good that they didn't go the comedy route. Mm-hmm. Because then it could be more that they were, you know, making fun of this guy who thinks he's a superhero, um, as opposed to, you know, just having someone who has this uh, condition and is, you know, just thinks he's a superhero. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it was almost making a statement, too, about, you know, people who who are in that type of situation who slips through the cracks of the system because he, he is one of those guys who, who should have gotten help. And I think they even addressed it at one point, but he never did. Scott, do you think they handled, uh, you know, his uh, being mentally challenged? Do you think they handled it well within, you know, your understanding? Uh, as well as they could without it completely taking over the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody else uh, means well and they want to, get him help uh but uh you know what kind of help would that be you know of course when he finally does get help he retreats it himself and i guess they're hoping that eventually he'll come out of his shell but um but uh you know well that that and the other uh, the other plot twist that happens at the same time but i mean but basically without this he's doesn't feel like he is anything and they right away you get the you know because it it goes back and forth between this um between this uh uh, uh interview session with uh, the psych, uh, a psychologist played by uh, Sandra O oh, and uh, proof showing showing how much I like this movie I like I even liked Sandra O oh in it which is to say <laughs> something I, I I really don't like her that much in most movies um the um but uh but uh and it, they go through the whole process of you know when he is finally captured and they're trying to get him treatment but look at that court look at that courtroom scene that yeah. courtroom scene is great he's obviously doesn't know what's going on mm-hmm. but they still try to like move things along they try to give lip service to that they're still making jokes they're laughing uh there's the guy who is honestly trying to get him help and um you know, as they're escorting him out, he says, "Do you understand what I what I have said?" said. And the, the guy is just saying, "No, he doesn't. He doesn't." You know, and yeah. they want to keep this going uh, like a well-oiled machine. But it, the whole point of being uh, having a physical disability or mental impairment means that you don't fit in, right? And that, and, and while they keep on trying to move, uh, seemingly for the benefit of these people, but more for the benefit of those who are com- are able. uh people get lost they get like and they get turned and they wind up being grinded under the gears of Mm -hmm. these systems Uh, i've seen it happen a million times and it's so frustrating uh and i think that the helplessness 
uh, and uh, cruelty of that scene is really exemplified well uh, through this in this film. I I think that they they do that very well. It would be very easy though to make that the movie about that, right? And and and, and it's and, and, and so that's that's really a danger. And the, the I think the film puts enough importance on it to show you how serious this really is, uh, without making it take over the entire film. It it grounds the film a bit to where you're not getting too far into the superhero movie mode to where he can do just about any of these things and get away with it, you know, but at the same time, yeah, they're trying to shed some light on the situation and the harsh reality of things, but also, uh, you know, give his perspective and Woody Harrelson, I think puts in a fantastic performance in this. This is what stood out for me the first time I watched it. And now uh, rewatching it for the show, his, his performance, I think he plays it, with just enough to where you get the idea, like you said, the minute you see you, you meet him, but at the same time, it's not overdone. You, you know, like it could have easily been in this movie. I mean, let's face it. We we've all mentioned it already tonight. It would be real easy for this film to just go full blown comedy. Mm-hmm. It, that'd be the lazy way. And it'd be the, the, you know, the less enjoyable way. I think if you tried to just make it a, a whole comedy and about, you know, here's this guy who is mentally challenged who who's doing this. But, you know, I, I think it's showing that <laughs> what can happen to someone who, who is let this, you know, is missed by the system, basically, or not looked uh, seriously upon by the system of needing help. And they end up turning into a vigilante, uh, you know, and, and in his world, he he felt that he was right in what he was doing from his experiences, which was, uh, you know, his mom being a drug addict and, and leaving him, abandoning him with his grandfather to where that's where he gets the name for the bad guys, Uh the captain industry. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was kind of hoping for a captain industry personally. Oh, that almost sounded like a superhero's name. Well, you kind of knew it wasn't going to happen. As soon as you hear that yeah. name, you're like, oh, he heard the term somewhere. Yeah. And then it kind of turns out, you know, and they, they, they talk about, they start out talking about, you know, sweetly talking about his grandfather uh, with the uh, police chief there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, when I would have met him, like, oh, it sounds like a really great guy. And you find out bit by bit through flashbacks, no, he wasn't a great guy. Is that once the mother, who was never there, but loved him uh, once she abandoned and then died. Uh, he was left by this person to this with this person who resented and abused him yeah. uh, and belittled him at every turn. I mean, so, you know, you, you get all these little bits and that's where he gets the term. He, she was killed by captains of industry. Um, but it was one piece of knowledge that he was given was that it was the people who push the drugs that are bad, not the people that are on them. Right. Because even the, because even the father, he couldn't bring himself to say my daughter was bad. Right. Couldn't do that, you know, he, he, he did toss the blame to the others cause mm-hmm. he just couldn't face the fact his, his daughter made her own decisions, which I like that setup because then it also explains why he, befriends 
in a way, even though, you know, he, he has her initially has her around because she says she knows how to get to captain industry, but uh, Kate played by Kate Dennings. Uh, you can see why he kind of gets attached to her because she is very similar to his mom, but it's not, uh, don't get me wrong. This isn't in a creepy way, but I think she just has, I don't know, Glenn, did you get the feeling that it was just more of he was trying to help her because he couldn't help his mom? Um, partly. I mean, I think it's also just that he helps people. That's what he does. That's what he sure. wants to do. Um, and maybe it's that he, you know, he, because she's a woman, he sees her not as a bad person. Right. That could be. And, and maybe it is. Maybe he is seeing some of his some of his mother in in her yeah and and you get that feeling like she she's trying you almost get the feeling really hard like cat doesn't want to get better <laughs> but but defendor aka arthur poppington doesn't let her keep in that mindset uh what what about what do you think about that scott you think kate a little bit cuz it's easier to try to just you know well, well, this is where I'm at, and yet Defendor doesn't let her get comfortable anymore with the way things are. Um, she's uh, had the cat has had the uh, double experience of uh, growing up too fast, seeing way too much too young, uh, both at home and on the streets, and also at the same time being that young age where you think you know everything. Mm-hmm. So um, she doesn't see a life. She knows how to cope. She knows how to survive. She steals. She uh, cozies herself up to people who can support her. Uh, and she always escapes through the drugs. And she gives a perfectly reasonable uh, explanation that she doesn't do it for completely dissimilar reasons uh, as to why Arthur feels the need to dress up as Defendor. Uh, it escapes who she is. And um, so, yeah, of course she wants to escape. This is her comfort zone. This is what she knows. I know this. And I know that I can stick doing this. And this is will offer me some, com- some illusion of comfort until I inevitably wind up dead, which will probably be sooner rather than later. Um, that is, um, you know, that's the thing that she's done. And, of course, Arthur has... Very naive bits, you know. He calls her, you know, very. He says, "Oh, you should be here. Want to be you because you're very pretty, you know." And it's that's yeah. you know, kind of a kind of saying. It's it's it almost sounds offensive, but it's like you know, it's he's just really you know naive and everything. And it's kind of one of those things that he says. So you have. I, I like that you're talking about the uh, parental issue because there's a. It's it's like there's a two way thing. It's like. His mother was a drug addict and a prostitute, and um, she got away. So now he meets this person that he can almost be a almost a parental figure to, uh, who is also a drug addict and a prostitute. But of course, inevitably, because Arthur is the way he is, she also it, it goes both ways. Each of them winds up being a parent and child to one another at various mm-hmm. points. I mean, it, and so so there's a lot to that to that relationship, but uh, yeah, no, she absolutely feels she. You you say that that uh, you doesn't you don't think she wa- wants to get better? She does, 
Mm-hmm. But she doesn't think that's in the cards for her, so she doesn't really know what she wants. Um, I've certainly known a lot of people like the cat character uh, when I when I was that age, uh, and um, I could tell you almost to a one that's exactly the way they were, and that's what they thought they felt, and it wasn't real. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. So how do you feel about that, Glenn? He he just equated uh, comic books with smoke and bling. No, just kidding. No. (laughs) Well, well, I could. I'll 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 tell you, there was a while I was was getting uh, I was starting to buy every comic book on the planet and I had to quit cold turkey because (laughs) I thought like, geez, this is like way more expensive than any other habit I ever developed. So, <laughs> yeah, that, they can add up, man. Fast. Oh my god, I I almost lost, I I was lost every cent I had for a while. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm a comic book addict. Hi, Mark. No, I'm just kidding. thank god for the new thank god for the new 52 i just i could just stop reading and not feel bad about it (laughs) (laughs) it's like nope i'm not really missing much (laughs) but with this movie uh you know it's an interesting film i think i think it's an interesting take on your superhero film when it came out uh I'm going to go down to row and see if there's something that uh, our fine folks here uh, want to talk about that we may not have mentioned so far. Because uh, this film, it's not that it's particularly long, which was a good thing. I think if it went, went longer, it, it might have uh, got a little bit tedious, but it doesn't. It clips long nicely. But uh, we'll start with you, Glenn. Uh, did you have something maybe that we haven't touched on or a character or something that you want to talk about that we haven't yet? Uh, not especially. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott, how about you? I'm just here basically to help preach the gospel of Defendor <laughs> because this, um, like I said, there was a lot of movies around this time mm-hmm. that came out with the same plot. You know, Kick-Ass. Oh, Kick-Ass is a great movie. It's not. Uh, you know, it's it's not. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz was good in it. And Nicolas Cage was good in it. The, the rest of it, not so much. You know, Mark Millar, I don't like him. <laughs> um, uh, special, I never, as I said, I can't really comment on. Super, I thought, was really good, but I had issues with. Defendor, I think, was the one that no one noticed. And uh, I think if people saw it when it, hit v, when it first hit DVD, I know that that thing just sat on that shelf. <laughs> you know, while people rented uh, Kick-Ass. Yeah. And uh, when, I, when I was, because it came out when I was working at uh, Video Oasis, uh, which is Blockbuster. Uh, the, uh, so the, uh, um, but uh, I, I think this is one that just fell through the cracks. And I really hope people uh, find it because it's, everybody is so pitch perfect in it. The way it etches its characters is so heartfelt. Uh, it tells a really suspenseful and nuanced story. I mean, this is a guy who is so simple that he gets a threat not to go to the police uh, or his friend because his friend has been kidnapped and he's told and it, it, the message says talk and she dies. So what does he do? He doesn't speak at all ever at all anyway. at all because he doesn't he doesn't get the 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 where the line is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's uh, it, it's it's a sweet movie where. You can look at it. You can laugh at some of the things that he does. There are moments of humor, uh, but at the same time, it's 
feels so much more real than the other movies that came out around this time. And yet it's done in the same kind of comic booky style that it's actually one of my, one of the better superhero movies uh, of the time. I think, I think I love this movie. I think Defendor, I keep, it's one of those films, but I keep on hoping that it's going to develop a real, real following. And I'm, still kind of waiting for that to happen it hasn't happened yet <laughs> one of the things i liked about it too and uh like i said we'll wrap it up because we've we've covered the film uh, pretty well tonight um but one of the things i did like too is outside of the flip phone th- this film easily could come out today with the big superhero hype and it would still work it's mm-hmm. not dated because there's no heavy special effects. I think, you know, pretty much all the references they make could still be applied today, including the VHS and the joke. You're still recording on VHS. Really? Um, (laughs) You know, a a lot of it could still apply to the superhero fans of today. So I think the final question will land for the evening and we'll start with Glenn is for Defendor. uh, Would you recommend it to uh, someone looking for other comic book movies out there that might be different? Oh, I have recommended it to people. Mm-hmm. I've recommended it numerous times. Uh, uh, generally, when when people tell me that they're you know they're they're tired of the Marvel and DC of stuff, I'm like, dude, check out Defender, check out Super, check out some of these other movies that are out there that are that are are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and I'm glad you guys you get we've mentioned over this whole month actually occasionally we've dropped the word uh, special, which we almost covered this month. I've not and, seen it. <laughs> and, we, and we may we may cover it uh, if we do another superhero month, which we probably will, because you know there's just a little shortage of superhero films. Not, but uh, <laughs> Glenn, you you remember? Did you see Super? Because that was a trivia movie. Did you watch it? I mean, not Super. That was with that's with uh, Rappaport, isn't it? Yeah, so special, yeah, yeah, yeah. special. Yeah, and that I'd say would probably be the closest film to Defendor. Um, in a lot of ways with the way it was handled, wouldn't you say from what you remember of it? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some similarities between the two with that. And the character who, who thinks he's a superhero as well. Uh, but for, for a slightly different reason than, than uh, defendor, uh, but still very similar. Oh, there we go. Now we need a special defendor crossover. No, <laughs> um, which, no, we can't do because he's dead. I know. But, hey, comic books, anyone can come back. But <laughs> And, Scotty D, I, I'm sure we, we already know your answer. That uh, Would you still recommend it to people today? You, you obviously uh, are definitely a champion for it. But I, re- I uh, recommend this to anybody. Uh, I think that uh, it's a surefire way to uh, not only discover something new and discover new talents, I think it's a way to rediscover people that we uh, do appreciate like uh, Woody Harrelson. Uh, Kat Dennings did this uh, just a couple years before she got that sitcom, which I think was not a great show, <laughs> but I always like. but I always, Ooh. no, I didn't like, never liked it. I always liked her in the movies though. I liked her in films like this and Nick and Nora's infinite playlist and everything. And I thought she was really good here. Uh, and Elias Cotiz and oh god, everybody else. It's just uh, this film. 
it really it, it's a tiny little film and it's but it's it, it seems to have so much heart to it i really love it and the important thing the one thing i want to stress because we talk about um you know how things are cliche and stuff and how it is darker and everything like that but this has uh something a lot of film a lot of superhero films whether they be these uh quirky ones that we were talking about or whether they're the big big huge epic ones uh we're starting to get a little more back to it these days, which is nice to see. But this has something that a lot of them weren't having for a while, which is hope. It has mm-hmm. a sense of – it really has a definite sense of justice, a definite sense of right and wrong. And it has a sense of you know even in the darkest times, there is hope. There is a light uh, the, that uh, – to get you – know, uh, like the Leonard Cohen says, you know, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Yeah. Um, that's, and uh, I loved that about this movie so that, you know, say if I watch a movie like super, I think, wow, that was a really good movie, but I don't really necessarily feel too good after watching the movie, <laughs> you know, um, same thing, same thing with even some of the big budget uh, movies, you know, sure. like, okay, that was enjoyable. I don't really necessarily feel good at it. this one, even with its melancholy ending, which seems like a downbeat ending. There is so much hope in the character. There's so much hope at the end that I always have like a smile on my face when you know the uh last shot comes in and she's there's the thing buzzing around and all of a sudden it goes into the metric song and i i always have a smile on my face at the end of this movie it's it's a great movie yeah i will say uh uh, it's another one of those things where they easily could have just gone with the downer ending (laughs) but they do give a final shot of cat with a typewriter and clippings of you know and articles and such that uh, she was involved in and I, yeah I, I, that surprises me how it ended because here it's titled defendor but the film is almost as much about her you know showing that you can change your ways regardless of how far down you've gone mm-hmm. you can change and, and you know it is possible and and you're right it, it for for as dark and and how bleak some of these things are, some brutal some of these scenes are in this film, it does end up still on a a happy note, <laughs> a, a, you know, bittersweet, if you will. Um, and I like that that as well. That's that surprised me. So I too would recommend it to comic book fans of today looking for something different. If you're tired of CGI fest, which seems to be getting bigger and bigger, no, I have not watched the Infinity War trailer yet, but it, I mean, it does look amazing. I will say. That. <laughs> I have not seen the trailer yet, so uh, I'm holding off on my reaction on that. But still, you know, you get you get those big budget films, but then you get to see what these little indie films are. And it feels almost like back in the day, and I don't know if it's too much now because I've, I've fallen out of comics, but back in the day in the early 90s when I was collecting them, it feels like, you know, films like this and special are like the Dark Horse comics of the comic book movie world. Uh, you know, the, the indie ones, the ones that were really well done, the ones that were referred to as graphic novels, you know, <laughs> those ones. It, it definitely feels like that's the movie equivalent. That's what Defender is to the, the big mainstreams you've got. And you shouldn't ignore them because there are some 
good stories out there and some interesting ones that are refreshingly different and Defender's definitely one of those. So we'll wrap it up for the night. I want to thank Glenn and Scott for joining us in the spoiler room. Here is shield time on the spoiler room. Glenn, where can they find you when you're not here? Uh, you can find me uh, on Facebook with the BMW Bunker, uh, Guy in the Bunker Productions, Mr. of the RPG. You can find me on YouTube with the BMW Bunker and Guy in the Bunker Productions. Also, check out GuyInTheBunker.com or check out my gaming podcast, The Adventure Party, on GNCast.com. Awesome. And Scotty D, where can we find you at, sir? Not a whole lot these days, but... Uh, <laughs> you still got stuff out there, though. I do have stuff out there. This has been a transitional year for me. Um so, uh, as opposed to the other, uh, the year before it, which was just a, like a, a horribly depressed year. This is just a transitional year me getting into a new state, a new apartment, new job, everything. So everything else kind of went on hold. I'm hoping that next year I will get things back and moving again. In the meantime, you can catch out my, all my old stuff at, at dot and you can also check my web series, which is on YouTube, but the best, better place to find it is vimeo.com slash channels slash movieocrity. Fantastic. All great stuff from both these gentlemen. Please check out their material out there, some great movie stuff, great movie analysis. And these are just some great people that I am glad joined me tonight to talk about Defendor. Please seek it out. Uh, and if you have, leave us a comment. Uh, yeah, you know, we're out there on the webs as well. We appreciate you listening to our little podcast. December, we don't have a theme month. It's a little bit random, uh, but we are covering a film next week in our next episode that uh, I have not really I don't think watched in its entirety in one sitting. So it'll be interesting. It's the movie is the room and we're going to be talking about it here in the spoiler room. So we've got that. Coming oh up, my God. It's going to, it's going to be two hours of everybody talking to you and saying, Oh, hi, Mark. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I, I'm fully expecting it. Trust me. Ever since that movie came out, I get that all the time. So we've got that coming up. There'll be star Wars talk. We'll probably do favorites of the year uh, as we've suddenly become kind of a tradition to here. Uh, so we got a lot of great stuff in December. So please, please, please subscribe, uh, like comment, and hang around here in the spoiler room. We appreciate all of you. Now say good night, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. Hey, all my spoiler room friends out there. If you like what you hear, why not head on over to iTunes and like, comment, and even subscribe to our channel. It always helps us out. Or you can find us on Stitcher Radio as well. You can drop us a tweet on the Twitter at Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark Pro. Look for us also on Facebook at the Spoiler Room Podcast or in the Special Mark Productions Facebook group. Let us know what movies or topics you'd like to be discussed in the Spoiler Room where the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.